Smarties, welcome back to part two of the conversation that we started last week with Dr. Ellen Bratton, the author of the new book, Bright Kids Who Couldn't Care Less. In this episode, in today's conversation, she shares the signs of an unmotivated child and discusses the idea of hiding failures. She highlights the importance of knowing what gives us pleasure in order to help us get motivated. And she discusses the impact that processing speed has on motivation and not caring. She further shares her thoughts on college and how we need different paths beyond college as options for the learners in our lives. Do not forget that today we are also releasing our extended conversation with Dr. Bratton on Patreon. Patreon is the way that you can support the work that we do here at Learn Smarter Podcast by going to www.patreon.com slash Podcast. For $5 a month, you will get to hear our extended conversation with Dr. Bratton and all the other extended conversations we've had over the years of this podcast and some free goodies that we give only there as well. And if you would like to support the work that we do here with a $10 a month donation, you'll get all those free goodies that we just talked about, the extended conversations and such. In addition to early access to episodes, you'll get them a week early. We are so excited for you to hear the rest of this conversation with Dr. Bratton. We cannot wait to have her back on the podcast, hopefully soon. So let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer you have to learn smarter the educational therapy podcast hi smarties welcome to episode 253 of learn smarter the educational therapy podcast i'm stephanie pitts and i'm rachel cap and we have ellen bratton back yay we love episodes with ellen and if you (laughs) haven't heard ellen on our podcast She's our most frequent guest. And we had Ellen Bratton month in the summer of 2021. And here we are again with 252 and now 253 with Ellen. So welcome back, Ellen. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I just love talking to you. We love talking to you too. (laughs) So much fun. I learn a lot too. And I hope other people do too, but it's also a lot of fun. This is always a good one for it us. Is for and we sure. can talk about, as we just learned, we can talk about a lot of things. Yes. Not work related. And we're very much in alignment there as well. <laughs> so let's start here. The science of an unknown. Yeah, that child. I think is a good place to start and we'll see where it goes. Okay. So we were talking about motivation and what does that look like in a child? And first of all, a parent always knows when their child is unmotivated, but it usually comes out, I'm talking about this in the last episode, the lazy word is what they typically describe. But really what I tend to see is motivation varies a lot by age. So you're going to see problems with independent work, which is going to be much more at an older age than at a younger age. You're going to hear things like, I'm just bad at that, which hides their failures, or I'm not going to do that, which also hides their failures. They might have a lot of temper tantrums. They might lie, not because they're liars or there's something wrong with their personality, but because they need to get out of something or they've been caught in some sort of thing that they did, being tardy, not wanting to try new things. Troublemaking decisions is also part of motivation. Like We don't really always think about those sorts of things as being part of motivation, but they are. So... There's a lot of different aspects to motivation, but generally what we see is a child who's not working at his potential and not happy. And even more than that, doesn't know what makes them happy. I think that's the biggest thing we've got to remember is that 
knowing what gives us pleasure helps us get motivated, but so many of us don't know what it is. Hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about hiding failures? I loved that when you said that. I knew exactly what you meant, but I wanted to hear you expand on it. We place so much emphasis on product, on grades, on doing really well. You know, when I was in school, people got C's all the time. Like I looked at my report card, I got C minus in Spanish. Like my kids were like, oh my God, you were a terrible student. No, I wasn't. I was good. That was just what people got. But now we've got this high standard for what constitutes okay, that really just A's are what we're all shooting for. And we can't have any variability in what we do. We can be an A student in some subjects and a C student in others. Nowadays, a C student is, in our case, is sort of failing. So kids have a lot of reasons to hide something when they're not doing well. So part of it is our expectations as adults in that child's life and also too much of something. So a lot of kids are just, man, we all know this. They have too much on their plate. And so they would prefer to just hide their failures than to come to terms with them. And frankly, most people do anyway, and especially kids. So it's something to look for as opposed to, I think it's more of a sign of motivation that it is a sign of a conduct problem or oppositionality. It's usually if we're hiding something that we're embarrassed by or shamed by, shamed of, we need to use that as a jumping off place, not why did you do this? Why didn't you turn this in? That sort of thing. But boy, that must feel really bad that you had to hide this from me. What can we do so this doesn't happen again? It's sort of the discussion that needs to happen. And usually it doesn't. I mean, it's hard to have those discussions as parents. We think looking at this motivation issue as something, as a child who's in a certain amount of pain, is an important thing for us to do. Right. I think it's also important if your child is hiding failure as a parent to display failure. Yes. And to show off failure I know that our clients love it when we make a mistake and that we talk about the mistake. They remember it. They bring it up later. It sort of gives permission that mistakes are a part and expected of being a person. And so displaying failure is a really interesting idea that I think we could explore more at a later time. But I'm curious, you're Ellen Bratton, and so we're going to talk processing speed. But if you could talk a little bit about the impact or the connection on processing speed and quote unquote, not caring. So I think what happens to kids with processing speed deficits is that they're so used to never getting things done on time, always being behind, always missing cues, not being on top of things, that the natural progression is to sort of feel like, Eh, why bother? No one's ever going to be happy with me all the time. There's no way I can be the fastest one at school stuff. Usually it doesn't mean that they can't be the fastest one in lots of other things, but usually in school, it means that they are not the fastest in writing fluency or math fluency or finishing a test. So they're sort of like, why bother? And then the accommodations that we give them that are needed is extra time. So they're working double, you know, time and a half or double what everybody else is doing. Well, what happens when we're overworked? We want to sit in front of the 
TV and kind of just veg out. For younger kids or adolescents, it's playing video games and looking really unmotivated. So it's sort of a natural progression. One reason why I got kind of interested in this area is because I started seeing this. It's sort of like, boy, we fix the processing speed issue. That doesn't necessarily create a motivated child. And that's why we've got to have space for like, what gives them pleasure? What do they love doing? How do we fit that in to a child who's already kind of overwhelmed with just general life? And you you brought up an important point, and that was parents talking about their own failures. I also talk in the book a lot about parents thinking about these things for themselves. So what gives a parent pleasure? What is motivating to the parent? What are they practicing or you know doing? Because we've gotten away from pleasure in our own world. Like we don't always know what's giving us pleasure. We have our kids, we do what we're supposed to do, but there's not a lot of pleasure time built into our life. And we need to model that too. We need to model failure for them. We need to model pleasure. They need to see us doing something other than just hovering over them. We need to start doing more for ourselves. And that's going to actually help them figure out what gives them pleasure. If they see us doing more in our lives, that is making us happier. I think this is a really good point. And a point that I have brought up with families in the past that don't want to make a mistake or don't ever make mistakes, it's creating mistakes. Yeah. So that they can learn how to recover because that is the most important part of learning, I think, is when you make those mistakes, being able to figure out what to do now and move on, right? Not necessarily fix it, but how to move on to the next step because we're all going to do that. There's always going to be those moments that we made a mistake or forgot something or weren't able to do it the way we anticipated or wanted to do. And so I think having those moments and creating those moments that you can show your kids what to do and how to handle it definitely relieves some anxiety and the perfectionism. So I have told parents, make mistakes on purpose, become really good at making mistakes. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. We want to show kids our perfect side as opposed to our human side. And of course, it just gets us into more trouble, actually. Living up to that standard is just, it's like when you think of that really good present and then you never can top it again. I do that to myself. Really what you're talking about is resiliency. We set a goal. We don't make it. We don't make most of our goals. Seriously, at least not always in the time span that we allot. So what do we do? We have to change our goal. And I think that kids you know, that we're talking about today tend to just say, ah, forget it. The goal wasn't good. And parents oftentimes collude with that too. It's like, yeah, I guess it was too hard. So you better luck next time kind of thing. Uh, rather than adjusting. Yeah, that's interesting. Because we're not used to adjusting. We're goal-centered and we want that goal. So yeah. Let's talk about that one goal, that one college goal that comes up all the time. Yeah. And we hear this a lot, right? My kid isn't doing well. He's never going to be able to go to college. Or how is my kid going to be able to succeed in college? Or is my child being pushed enough and ready for college? If they're not doing XYZ or XYZ isn't happening or, you know, all of the different things. And I think what you bring up about college is really important. So tell our listeners what you talk about in the book about college. 
Well, first of all, I think that college, that attainment of college is probably the number one demotivator that I see in the kids that I work with. And I'll tell you why that is. Parents have only one single path for our kids. And I can guarantee every single person listening to this says, I want my child to go to college. We've had this drilled into us for a couple of generations. The data that we use to back up our convictions is outdated. It is not geared to today's society and the kinds of jobs that are necessary. College used to be a stepping stone to something else. Now it really isn't. And then we, those things were said when high school graduation rates were rarer. So there's all sorts of economic data that doesn't support this premise anymore. The premise of, oh, we've got to get our child into college because if they don't, they're never going to make any money. And so what happens is we have this one track, and if the child is not doing well in school, they are going to be off that track, and we have no other tracks to go on. So I have very frequently, I mean, hundreds of times, I was going to say dozens, but hundreds of times, had parents in my office saying, I don't know what will become of him if he doesn't go to college. Now, there have been generations of people who have lived on this earth who have not gone to college and who've done very well. So what I find is that one of two things happens with kids who are demotivated. One is that they'll go along for the ride. They make it into college and they make it a semester or two, maybe three. They fail and failing could be anything from actually failing courses, getting caught drinking, not doing whatever they were supposed to do on campus. So they get kicked out. And so that's their way of saying, I don't want to be here. And then there are other kids who tell the parents, I don't want to be here by their actions or even by their words long before senior year of high school. So they're looking ahead and they're thinking, I don't want to do this anymore, or I want to break, or this isn't my goal. And so I tell parents one of two things. If you've got a high school student, junior or senior especially, who's not going to class regularly, they will not be going to class regularly when they are in college, period. And I have seen so many parents and very close friends, people who have worked with me, you know, on various capacities in different work environments who did not go to college and who said, my child is going to be the first generation who goes to college. And I've said to them, don't mortgage your house for this. Your child had 50% attendance for the first class of their first semester senior year. They're not going to do it. And I've seen people get into debt for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for a child who didn't want to go to college. So if a child is saying they don't want to go to college, if they cannot fiddle out the applications themselves and don't want to, I'm not saying a child is like, I'm desperate to go. I need assistance because I have, you know, dyslexia, disorganization, but I'm desperate to go. That's one thing. And if your child doesn't have a a reason, you know, so maybe some of those kids are like, math is hard for me, but I really want to be a nurse. And we need to put all of our efforts into helping that child get their goal. But again, that's a child's desire. That's what they want to do. We don't want to sort of force a child who has no direction, doesn't like school, doesn't know why they're in school, and mortgaging, you know, putting yourself and your child in debt for years. We need to have different ways of giving kids different paths. And parents in most school systems, this is not just an middle, upper class kind of thing. This is one of those things where everyone wants their child to do better. 
And I've had parents say to me, well, I can't go to their high school graduation because if they're not going to college, what are we going to tell people? What are we going to say? And Mm. that's a terrible situation to be in, but it's common. Sorry, I went off on that a little bit because I feel so strongly about this. (laughs) It does resonate. What particularly resonated for me was that we don't have multiple options at that point. You know, I think I've told this story on the podcast before. I was highly motivated student. And I remember senior year, remember exactly where I was standing on the corner, talking to my dad on the phone and saying, I'm graduating and I just see darkness and I don't know what I'm going to be doing in two months. And he goes, well, now it's time for you to figure it out. We laid out the first 22 years for you. Very anxiety producing because I hadn't spent any time considering what it is that I wanted. Yeah. And I think that's where this starts. This should start with what it is. Again, what is the child good at? What do they want? What do they tend to spend time doing as opposed to you're going to college? And so you're right. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about what we want. And so it's sort of the opposite. Like, you know, I'm sure some parents think like, my kid's demotivated. Why should I ask him what he wants? He needs to be doing what he should be doing. And that's true to some extent. But we've got to start talking about what it is that we really desire and why. And that's a good place to start, I think. So I give some examples in the book about this. You know, the parents will say, well, he doesn't do anything. What's he going to do? And we talked in the other episode about selling sneakers because I've had a number of kids sell sneakers. And the parents will say, well, he doesn't like anything. Well, he loves selling sneakers. He's making a lot of money at it. Like, let's think more broadly. Mm -hmm. Where could they be working? I've had kids drop out of college and their parents have said to me, they can do anything they want, anything they want. But really, they can't because they want them back in college. So it's like they really can't do anything they want in college or after either. So, you know, we say our child can be anybody, but we really don't give them that room. And we've got to stop thinking that if a child doesn't go to college right after high school, that that's a failure. We have to start having these decisions early on. You know, there are lots of things you can do after high school. College is one of them. Here are the sorts of reasons to go to college. What else would you want to do? And I've had lots of successful kids not go on to college who have gone into realty, you know, sales, become yachtsmen, you know, whatever, worked on a boat and tons of different ways. And some of them are happier than all the kids who went to college put together. So it's not that college is bad. We've got to have more of a idea. And and honestly, I started in my career thinking that I had to get every child into college. That was sort of my goal. What kind of accommodations do they need? And then I realized, ah, I'm not sure I did the right thing by some kids. Like some of them, I should have said, wait a minute, you've got these accommodations, but is that what you want? I think a lot of them don't know because a lot of them go, the expectation is just there and it's not up for discussion. Right. And a lot of kids don't know what they want at 18. I mean, I've always been a natural teacher, but I'm in my third career. Yeah. And it's always been some sort of similar, but it's not the same. And I would never have said at 18 that I would be doing this at all. Right. I think that we forget there is going to be pivoting and it's okay to pivot and that a lot of kids don't know what they want yet and that's okay and they can try something out and then move on. Exactly. You know, and all these kids that are people that I know that went to school to become 
a lawyer or a doctor or something and they hate it. Yeah. And that's a lot of schooling to go through to hate something so much. And a lot of debt to take on. A lot of debt. I mean, this is a big problem. And this is why there's a lot of data that shows that in college with a lot of debt, you're not actually better off than if you hadn't gone to college at all. And again, it's a different story. If you know what you want to do, the job that you want requires a college degree. And I think there's even validity in just saying, I want to go to school for four years because I love school. That's great too. But if none of those things are true, then college is just an expectation. It's a box. Yeah. It drives them to lose motivation because all the activities that they're doing, all the achievements that they're doing or not able to attain, you know, are meaningless to them because it's some goal that they don't want. And that's a big factor for demotivating kids, even at a very early age. And even for the ones who are good students, I find that they got, get caught up in this sort of cycling of, you know, achieving and relaxing or vaping or working without much sleep during the week. It's a bad cycle. And I'm not anti-college, of course, like I love school, but how do we listen to kids and what kind of opportunities are we giving them? And I think it's getting better. We have more of a value in trades, for example, because we all need a plumber. Yeah. You know, and there's some schools that do that for juniors and seniors. I spoke to some people in Hawaii. When they're in high school, they have to do an internship one day a week, at least all throughout high school in something that they're interested in. And I think that that is wonderful to have a day outside of the classroom learning on the job. I just can't even imagine if I had been given the opportunity to try some things before I got to college, I might have been doing different things. I don't know. I think it's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Having a job in high school is one of the number one things that kids could do. It's more important than almost anything. So many of the executive function skills that we teach kids, they just learn on the job. And demotivated, unmotivated kids can be very motivated on a job. So these same kids who are just sitting and watching video games or playing video games on the job can be the best employees because they know what they're doing. They're motivated. They're getting paid. People are telling them you did a great job. Mm -hmm. So they're getting all this feedback that they're good. And sometimes the job is the first place where they ever have that sort of experience. Yeah, agreed. That is so important and so true. And so if I think that people who are listening, parents, if you're listening, or you know, ed therapists and learning specialists, if you're listening and you can help parents and kids get to the answer that fits them for right now, that is the goal. Whatever decision they make now doesn't have to be forever, but what do they need right now? And how are we going to help them get that? And your version and their version might be completely different and that might not include college. Yeah. At least not right now. At least not right now. And also that discussion that you just described, I mean, maybe part of it is the child's feeling anxiety about college, but does want to go. But we're not having the right discussions because we're not talking about, you've got lots of options here. Let's talk about what they are. A child might say, I mean, I can actually speak for myself. I know my son will never listen to this podcast, so he wouldn't mind either. He's given me permission. But I remember one time in, in high school, he said, well, how about you just take the money that you're going to spend on college and let me just travel for a while? I said, yeah, that's not an option. 
So it's not like if you don't go to college, you get that money, but there are other things in between. And I've heard that a lot from kids like, you know, just, well, if my parents, they've got this money. Why don't they just give it to me? I could open a business. I could, but no, that's also not an appropriate thing. But that discussion that you just described can open up the possibility of really finding out if a child does want to go and is afraid or really doesn't want to go. And sometimes, you know, saying to somebody, you know what, you're free not to go, frees them up to actually figure out what they want. I love that. And I think that's a good ending spot of like, let's just help everybody figure out what they want. Yeah. With writing this book, figuring out what gives us pleasure. And that's sort of the opposite of a lack of motivation you know, we're motivated to do things that we love with people we love. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten away from that. And that's why I think this college discussion is so important, because it's not about what you love. Mm -hmm. It's about the right sort of activities. And so it gets us off track from the beginning. I agree. It was wonderful. Thank you. Ellen, thank you. We'll continue this conversation on Patreon. But Ellen, your new book, which is called Right? Kids Who Couldn't Care Less. Just came out. We will link it in the show notes. And Rachel and I had the pleasure of seeing it before it got released. And I have to say, you're going to want to read this one because it's good. Have a great week, Smarties. (laughs) Have a great week. (laughs) 